Business Class, a podcast sponsored by the iBear MBA program of the USC Marshall School of Business. Expert insight into the world of business. Good afternoon. This is Dick Drobnik, the director of USC's uh, one-year mid-career international MBA program. And today I'm having the opportunity to uh, interview and have a conversation with Nat Rothschild. And uh, we are here at the 40th anniversary reunion uh, forum for the IBEAR MBA program. And Nat, I'm delighted you would join us. Thank you very much. So tell us a little bit about how your business career got started and what you were doing in the early days and, and what you're doing now. Okay. Well, if I cast my mind back to the late 1980s, early 1990s, I left school uh, at the age of uh, 17, and the first You're job... You're a precocious young man to leave school that <laughs> Well, I went to university a year later, but in England, you have the, the concept of a gap year. I don't know if hmm. you have that here. And I went to uh, um, work in Japan, and I, I worked... My first ever job was at the Fuji Bank, actually at Fuji Investment Management, as, a, as basically as a kind of summer intern. And uh, I can say without any doubt that I learned nothing um, and uh, went and almost forgot about it and went back to uh, um, uh, Oxford where I'd had a place uh, to, to read uh, modern history and in England you have a kind of concept of a liberal education which has been going since the late 19th century so you're not supposed to deviate from a particular kind of subject and then you go on in a later life to, to specialise in finance or law or accounting and so I left Oxford uh, with a good degree, I got a 2-1, uh, and I had applied for a job while at Oxford. I, want, I was very um, adamant that I wanted to get this job on my own kind of merit. I applied to every major bank and was turned down by all of them except for one uh, called Lazard Investors, which was the kind of sick man of asset management in, uh, uh, in London. It had the do, smallest do, do, amount of asset. Do you know why they all turned... Turned you down? They just I didn't want the family name in, no, inside their bank. I think the quality. I just think honestly, the quality of people was just very, very high, and mm -hmm. there was a tiny, tiny number of um, um, you know, app, you know, places for applicants. Um, and uh, then I realised again then that that was the last thing I wanted to do is to work for this uh, asset management company uh, in. Um, in, uh, in London, and actually my, my father urged me to go to the US, and he did help me at that point get a job at a US investment bank in 1995 uh, called Gleacher and Company, which was run by a guy called Eric Gleacher, who's the former head of M&A at Morgan Stanley, and I did there the analysts of training program, learned a little bit about income statements, balance sheets, and cash flow statements. Um, but was really wanted to do something entrepreneurial, and at about that time, I met a, um, I met my business partner who was uh, uh, working for a. He was a Harvard, uh, Harvard undergrad, Harvard MBA, working for a very very small hedge fund uh, in uh, in New York. And we became friends, and we uh, decided to start a hedge fund together. Um, he he. Uh, and that was about two thousand. That no no that was much earlier. That was in nineteen ninety five. Oh. Um, and we started that business. Um, he'd actually already started. I joined him about a week later with $6 million from six wealthy American families. 
and um, we grew that business over a period of about 10 years into one of the biggest hedge funds in the world and uh, we made you know a lot of money uh, in the process and um, what was the name of the fund Atticus okay. um, and uh, at the peak it was a 20 billion dollar fund um, starting briefly, from, a, starting briefly. from a six million dollar okay. base from yes not from capital appreciation from a combination of capital appreciation and asset uh, gathering um, but it, it um, in 2008, in the uh, in the financial crisis, um, he decided that you know he had enough money and he didn't want to kind of go through the um, the process of um, you know holding the hands of the investors, and so we decided to stop. Um, and I had already a number of other businesses that I was uh, involved with, and um, decided it was the right thing to the right thing to do. So from then, that moment on. I focused on a couple of areas that I was interested in. One was uh, mining, uh, the other was uh, emerging markets. And I made a couple of very ill-fated investments at that time. Uh, one was into, as you know well, into the Indonesian mining coal, sector. Indonesian coal the, business. The coal, the coal business, where uh, I thought I was buying one of the greatest coal mines in the world, but what I didn't know was that the uh, proprietors, my partners, had stripped out the, the dozers and the crushers and the conveyors and the trucks into, and the barges into a separate company just as we were closing the transaction. But he uh, was... Are you speaking about Enron? <laughs> yes, exactly. It could be. It was the mining. It was actually the mining Enron. It's a good way of, um, of putting it. Well, this was, I mean, this was, I, I, look, there's no doubt that Enron was a was a was a great fraud but this was a this was an even kind of this was an even this was a that was a sophisticated fraud this was a crude fraud in the sense that, that there were assets on this balance sheet that simply didn't exist when mm. you went to when you went to visit them uh, and that was my mistake you know that was a massive massive uh, mistake um, and uh, um, you know it, 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 as you say the, the poison that doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I actually one of the things I liked about the uh, uh, about the sort of one theme through your through your two day event was this this concept of keep fighting, whether it was the dean or whether it was the the guy giving the commencement speech, everyone was saying keep fighting. I think that's definitely, you know, something that I've uh, always um, uh, espoused, which is kind of never give up uh, in any situation. Now, what about your investors in this fund? Do they do they still talk to you or uh? <laughs> Well, look, what 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 is extraordinary about the situation is, which of course has been um, never uh, widely uh, reported, is that is that this business, which was a public company, IPO'd at ten pounds a share, and within six months, it was um, worth fourteen pounds eighty a share, and it was such a success at the beginning that it enabled me and Tony Hayward, the former. CEO of BP to go out and raise another $2.2 billion for a follow-on vehicle uh, in, the, uh, in the oil industry. So, so, so the many people, um, uh, interestingly, including Dan Loeb, the, the CEO of Third Point, the, the, the owner of Third Point, which is a famous hedge runner, he made a, a killing out of that particular vehicle. So many people sold. And again, my mistake, when I think back on it, was not selling. 
Mm. You know, I should have just got the hell out of Dodge. But I was, but unfortunately, you know, I was, a, I, 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 I rightly, you know, felt that given that I was the kind of the, um, essentially the principal behind this, that it would be wrong for me to, to sell. And I just stayed, you know, I'm very, very bad at selling investments. I like keeping investments for, you know, forever and ever. Um, so, which is which is not is, is a, a strategy that, a, that I would recommend. Is that a family? Way. Is that a family tradition? No, I don't think it is. Actually, I don't think it is. I think um, no. I think I, I fall. I much. I become very obsessive about about things. So I like to kind of stay to stay with them. And the business that I have today is another example of that. Actually, which is a uh, a manufacturing business, um, which uh, which you know I chair, as you know, in my spare time. Um, that's a business that I bought in the financial crisis at about 11p a share when it was worth pennies on the pan, and it got it became very very valuable very very quickly. And and again, it's it's it hasn't gone back to 11p, but it I should have sold it, but I didn't. Well, so what are you doing these days? You're, you're <laughs> running this you're running this one company uh, as chairman, and and what else are you doing? Well, the answer is, is um, as you know, I went back to university as a mature student at the age of, uh, I think I was 42 at the time, and um, I did a degree in something completely diametrically opposite to what I've been doing for 20 years, which was in the field of addictions. And so I went and sat in the National Addiction Centre at King's College uh, in uh, South London uh, for a year, do a talk, did a taught degree, a little bit like your IBEAR degree. You did it for business, I did it for addictions, and I learned about an area of, of, um, of science and public policy that I'm incredibly interested and, uh, and passionate about. And um, I uh, wanted to continue that, in a, but not in the, uh, not in the UK. And, uh, and so thanks uh, to you and to the dean at the, at the, at the, um, um, at the School of Social Work, I've been able to, to come here to use your, your library and your, um, your intranet and really follow through on some of the kind of research in the areas that I'm very interested in. Let me ask you a question, and if it's something that's uh, difficult, uh, just tell me, Dick, kill switch, we're not going to talk about that. But uh, clearly, you come from a family banking empire, a finance empire. Uh, at some point, you're, you're going to be the eldest survivor of this, this empire. Have you thought about what, what happens? Do you, do you, well, do you a, take it over? Does no. It, does it trust, I've got uh, bad news for you. That's the last, that's the last thing that's, uh, that's, um, that's going to happen. Look, it's a very sort of... Um, um, unusual situation but which is that my uh, and I'll, I'll tell this this may not be an entirely accurate um, account of a sort of period of history which is uh, was very complicated but essentially my grandfather who was called Victor he was the third Lord Rothschild he was a um, he was born probably the wealthiest man in England if not the wealthiest then one of the wealthiest and he he um, proceeded to give away his fortune. He gave away um, 
enormous quantities of, of, of money, of land, of possessions, to because just just at fire sale prices, because he was a socialist, hmm. and he believed uh, passionately in socialism. He even burnt down his own house, um, and he was a great academic as well. He was the master of Trinity College. It was in a period of time uh, when... Um, you know, socialism was a, was a, was an accepted sort of alternative to. So this was turn, uh, turn this was of the century. Sort of, this was in the sort of fifties and sixties oh. after the Second World War. Mm. So he um, he sent the fire brigade away uh, <laughs> when, and this is not a joke. So and he built a council house, literally a kind of cookie cutter council house, in the garden of this uh, of this house, Tring Park, and um, so he died, and he didn't. He literally did not leave. Uh, my family a penny uh, when he died and he was actually uh, known he was the head of research at Shell which was a company that was started by the Rothschilds um, in the 19th century and and, um, he and he was involved in government so my dad was always um, in you know the the sort of poor relation And, and and through that process control of Rothschild Bank in London and in Rothschild moved from one side of our family to another. And so my dad, um, you know, was deeply scarred, I think, by the fact that he didn't have, a, you know, very much uh, cash um, uh, and a name like Rothschild. And that definitely had an effect on me uh, sort of growing up because I could watch my dad come home from work every day at kind of nine o'clock, sort of scowling about his wealthy cousins who he was... Uh, he was working for and he basically left our family bank in 1980 and he set up his own uh, operation uh, on the other side of the of, of London and um, you know I um, have always had a very difficult relationship uh, with uh, with my father um, and um, you know we tried to work together on a number of occasions and it never really kind of clicked to put it uh, to put it mildly, now he then had a um, a rich cousin, uh, Dorothy de Rothschild, who didn't have any children, and she left him um, a very considerable fortune, actually, in the late 1980s. So he got uh, literally was the was the the benefit of great um, great wealth by inheritance, but not through not through his father who burned down the house. Not through his father. It was a very strange situation. And um, and so that's really the sort of so so my dad and I would we don't really um, we we just said look you know it's impossible to work together and uh, so 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 my so I I look at myself um, and my as you know I have a pool of capital which uh, um, is not entirely I'm not going to tell you that I'm an entirely self-made uh, individual but I have a kind of pool of capital which I've sort of grown over. The last twenty years, I started with. I didn't start with nothing. I started with something. Well, we're um, which, in, a, in a, an American baseball metaphor, you were you were born on first base or second base. Exactly, exactly. And uh, so, but not you weren't born on home plate. So yeah, you, I mean, I, look, it, I I was definitely had a uh, um, you know head start, yeah. and and uh, but uh, and uh, so I'm now in the my 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 main objective now is not to lose any more money. Because having having made a lot of money, a lot of money at one point, I gave back a considerable part of it, and I'm now in the uh, 
I'm now in the stay rich business, not the get rich business. The, the, <laughs> the cons- conservation mindset. Yes, exactly. okay. I'm sure you've heard that before. It's not a very original comment, um, but it's true. And so, Nat, thank you very much for sharing these okay. ideas with us. Okay. It's been a great pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Business class. Expert insight into the world of business. The host is Dick Drobnik, producer Pankaj Bhushan, director Dan Griffin, web developer Rick Pine, and I am Robin Garthwaite.